Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the PRS Podcast. I am Rabbi Sandy Zisser, founder and director of the Pluralistic Rabbinical Seminary. We can be found online at jewishpluralism.org. If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming programming. If this is your first time and you're listening to us, take some time, listen to the past episodes. You won't be disappointed. Today, we continue our series entitled You, Me, and a Mic, and I'm very excited today to have with us Rabbi Amanda Flax, one of our most recent graduates at PRS, and Rabbi Amanda currently serves as a chaplain resident at Emory University Healthcare while she pursues board certification through Nishama, the National Association of Jewish Chaplains. And uh, later on this year, in mid-2022, she'll be officially launching her PRS Innovation Project, which we'll talk about in a little bit, which is called Sinai Pastoral Care. It's a concierge-style spiritual and pastoral care model for individuals and organizations. And you can visit her at SinaiPastoralCare.com or reach out to her at RabbiAmandaFlax at gmail.com. So to get into it, Rabbi Amanda, we are so glad that you could join us today on our podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here and to talk with you. Yes, it's uh, hopefully, hopefully it's going to be a very fun time. Uh, we'll see how it goes. You never know. You never know. I, I, that's one thing that I've learned in our in our podcast world. You just never know how it's going to go. Oh, so, uh, yeah, I, you just never know. I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, so we're just going to launch into it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, um, where I've been serving in one capacity or another in the Jewish community since 2008. Um, I'm married. Um, I've been married for 14 years and have two kids. And I'm so privileged to serve our Jewish community, um, right, well, really our entire community right now as a hospital chaplain. Um, my desire to pursue chaplaincy is really what brought me to seminary. Um, and I love it. I love going to work every day. Um, so I'm so thankful for that opportunity, how PRS brought me <laughs> you know, to amazing. that opportunity. Yeah. Well, that makes two of us that we're happy to go to work every day. So now that's just the rest of the world has to agree with us. So we'll see how Amen. that goes. Uh, what, what, what actually drew you to chaplaincy? Well, yeah, um, I'll tell you a story. I, when I was in my late 20s and early 30s, I um, developed a number of chronic conditions that left me in the hospital a number of times, um, sometimes for two or three days, sometimes for a few weeks. Um, and you know, my family and I are really involved in our Jewish community. And I had a lot of people who, you know, offered to bring us meals and babysit my kids and, you know, do all the physical things for us. But I didn't get much pastoral care or pastoral support. Um, I'm close to my personal rabbis. I, I count many rabbis among my friends, but I just didn't get the support I needed during that time. Somebody to sit with me while I wondered if God hated me, somebody to curse at the divine with when I needed to. And I knew that I wanted to help others have a better experience than I did. I think that 
pastoral care is a part of the rabbinate, particularly that is really overlooked and underserved. So um, when I knew that I wanted to pursue seminary, I started looking into how I could become a chaplain. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, it definitely it was important because it was something that you felt personally, obviously, right? Absolutely. The, the whole, like, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why we get into things that we are passionate about because of the life experience, right? Or life moment. Yeah. Uh, I know that's why I became uh, an educator originally mm-hmm. was because I was moved by someone who was a great educator. So I figured, well, I have to do it because you know they're changing lives and I want to as well. Uh, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's how you're feeling about working in hospitals. Um, For sure. For sure. It is heavy work and um, serving the last two years during COVID has been um, strange in a lot of ways um, and terrible and exhausting and wonderful in other ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm privileged to do that. How has that impacted you? Like, like what is, you know, working during COVID By the way, if you're listening to this podcast in the future and you don't know what COVID is, amazing. Uh, Yes, but if you but if you're still carrying a mask in your back pocket, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. Um, But but like, what? what, How did that affect your your job? Because I'm sure it made it so much harder. Sure, it. You know, the in a lot of ways, the the patient care is the same. Um, you know, we mer- we wear more PPE. We um, are much more cautious about um, the spread of disease, you know, communicable disease, than um, chaplains were previously before COVID. But the biggest difference has been the level and the level of need for staff support in in chaplaincy. Um, I mean, it's always been a, a part of what chaplains provide. But the level of um, caregiver fatigue, of exhaustion, of stress among staff has never been higher. Um, And so as chaplains, we've been called to really provide a lot of care for Mm -hmm. our staff, um, as well as our patients who've gone through COVID. Um, And, and you know, we forget sometimes, um, I, at least I do, I can't speak for you, Rabbi, but, um, you know, we got sick before COVID, you know, all those things that were happening pre-COVID, cancer, heart attacks, strokes, um, weird, random health things, those are still happening too. Um, so the healthcare system is just so burdened from patients to staff to families. So it's, it's a strange time to be a chaplain, but very much needed. Yes, definitely. Probably, probably more so than normal because of the overwhelming, you know, dual role you play with staff and patients on a regular basis. I think so. Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And I think that you, if you remember earlier on in the pandemic, when when you know we'd all we we have clapped for healthcare workers, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. as if yep. like it's great. We're, it, I always found that it was a great moment, but like, okay, that's not helping them get four extra hours of sleep. You know, it's not like, it's not like helping that out, you know, and, um, and, you know, I'm sure you're trained in, in working with all types of people when you're, when you're a chaplain in a hospital, but, you know, I doubt you were ready for the level of the pandemic, you know, what what that brought you because no, none of us really were. 
Absolutely. And, um, you know, as my, as an, you know, you, as a chaplain, you start as an intern uh, Mm -hmm. for your first um, unit of clinical pastoral education, CPE. And I had no idea what to expect. And I was, I started at a hospital in Florida that, um, a very large hospital with a lot of stuff going on. And it was, a an education those six months. Um, so, so yes, it's been, a humbling experience of an education um, mm-hmm. different from anything I've ever experienced. And something that will, will carry you forward because that's absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So now we're going to take a, a trip back a couple of years. Okay. So okay. Uh, you, know, you were, you were part of our first cohort at PRS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I actually, I remember speaking to you, you know, the, the year before about the program and, and, and discussing it. And, um, really, my, so my question to you is, I think I asked you this probably at that moment, but I don't remember it, <laughs> but like, <laughs> what, what, what brought you to us? Like, what made you say, yes, this is exactly what I need to do. And, Gosh. and with them, you know, do you remember that? Yeah. So long um, ago. <laughs> I do. I remember our conversation and um, I'm sure you asked me then. I don't remember what my exact um, answer was, but I can tell you what my answer is now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in 2017 or early 2018, I, um, I was in Israel and had a meeting with um, Enat Hoffman, the director of Women in the Wall, mm-hmm. about how pluralism, like how we need to do a better job in the United States and in Israel about like welcoming pluralism into Judaism. And, um, and she really inspired me to fulfill my really lifelong wish of going to seminary. Um, And so I had started interviewing in a lot of the brick and mortar seminaries and had some really bad experiences that um, you and I've talked about um, and felt really just let down by the, by that experience. Um, and wasn't quite sure where to go from there. Um, and then I heard from a few friends who knew the journey I was going on to try to find the right seminary and, um, mentioned, you know, PRS and had read those initial articles about PRS, um, starting up. And I happened to know Rabbi Patrick, um, from years ago when we shared office space when he was here in Atlanta. And so, um, he and I talked briefly. I think we like texted for a while and then talked on the phone before you and I spoke. And, um, he, he, he sort of challenged me. He said, you know, give us a chance. And if it's not for you, no hard feelings. And, um, that's there. That was enough to convince me the transparency of, of you and Rabbi Patrick, um, how welcoming you were to me as, um, you know, I can be a little inflexible sometimes, uh, or at least I, I feel like I am in my um, observance and I can be kind of closed off. I felt like you guys were so welcoming to me and um, and so flexible and, and so kind that you took a chance on me and I took a chance on you and I'm so glad. Well, that is, that's really great. Uh, and it's true, you know, we, we always felt that our first cohort were very flexible <laughs> about things because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, people don't understand how much it actually takes to launch something, uh, and, and until you do it. And then until you realize there's things that you 
didn't know you had to know. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if you remember, one of the major things was that we delayed the the beginning of the program by. I remember. Months, I was so right? worried. <laughs> you were you, you were worried. <laughs> I know. No, I of course, of course. Well, yeah, I, I can't too. imagine how you guys were feeling. You know, well, I knew it was going to it was going to work. You know, like I knew it was going to happen. I just knew that we needed a little bit more time, and that we we sort of did not think it through about the timing. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but I knew it was going to work. But I, but my part of it was making sure that all of you, you know, you and the rest of your cohort, still felt taken care of, and that you you yeah. trusted in us enough to say, okay, they're going to figure it out, and it's going to work, uh, which it did. Now here we are, you know, and we have two other cohorts running, uh, and yeah. uh, and uh, cohort number four is is starting to fill up starting in January wow. of this coming year of next uh, the awesome. beginning of next year. And yeah. And you know, we have, I think three people in that cohort already. So, wow. you know, it, and it's, and it's only April now. So, you know, yeah. that's, that's impressive. Um, and one of the things that we, we changed uh, or we added, I should say, is the idea of, of rolling admissions where you could, you could apply and then you could start. And if you're accepted, you, you know, you then start, you could start the elective program. You know, so yeah, which I think is really cool. Yeah, so this way, it, and you know, again, we used you guys as as sort of guinea pigs for this mm-hmm. uh, because you know we realize <laughs> it's a it's a lot of work. You know, it's not over. I think you'd agree it's not overbearing work, but it's work. You know, for the program. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, it's yeah. um, it's serious work, it's serious learning, but um, but right, it's it's not overwhelming. Yeah, we tried to make it as manageable as possible for everyone and realizing that, hey, if you're getting into the program four months early, why wait? You can start the electives and then it's a little easier. So that's something that people are really enjoying. Uh, so by the way, speaking of of your learning with us, what do you think was the one of your favorite things to, to learn? I'm not going to say the favorite because how could you have one favorite, right? Uh, so what was what was one of the things that you really enjoyed learning? And, and doing. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things was the opportunity to break out in Chavruta with um, my colleagues in our cohort um, mm-hmm. during our, our, our live classes, but not exclusively. We also, you know, often would pair off in times that we weren't in class together, either for an uh-huh. assignment or just our own, you know, benefit. Um, and you know, something I've mentioned to other members of my cohort and and to you and Rabbi Patrick is that, um, most of the, the members of our cohort, I I would never have gotten the the chance to study with, um, just logistically, you know, we're spread across the country or we just have very different approaches to halacha and Judaism that I am such a better person a better Jew, a better learner from learning with them. And so I have to say that's probably my favorite part was how we were brought together in this incredible program um, to learn with one another. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so often, you know, in many areas in our lives, we're siloed off into, you know, echo chambers of our own Mm -hmm. opinions and own beliefs. Um, And I appreciated getting pushed out a little bit of my comfort sure. zone. Um, yeah. And I, I have to say that's probably my favorite part. That's great. And that's a very politically correct answer, not naming a subject. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to. 
That's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to make you. It's fine. Uh, right. But, you know, one of the things that I enjoyed, like, you know, the, the instructors and the rabbis and the educators that, that work for us, um, those are all people that I want to learn from. And, you know, mm-hmm. as, as cohorts were built and how, and people were admitted, I, it, you know, deep down, I was like, oh, I wish I could go learn with them too. Like, it's going to be such a great group, you know, and, and no cohort has disappointed yet with that. And I think that that's a, it's a testament to the type of people that come to our program. And I think that, that, you know, you have to come to the program knowing that you're going to be in a actual program. You know, this is not Mm -hmm. a, here's, here's the money, where's the certificate type of thing, you know? Um, And, and it's, and we, we really try to build a community because it is online learning and, you know, we we really uh, try to make it be like we're actually in the room together. You know, and and I know from the conversations that we've had on on message boards <laughs> between people that everyone knows everyone well. You know, and yeah. and one of the things that that I found amazing is that your cohort, which you know, that you you were ordained back in December, and but you're all still there. You're still on the message yeah. board talking to people, you know, and you're still engaged with the new people. Uh, almost almost as if like rite of passage, we made it through. Let's go. Uh, I'll help you. get. Yeah, through, you know? I, I, yeah, like, I do. I feel, feel so. Yeah, well, I feel so um, connected to our, our Kahila, like our community mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. of learners. And um, yeah, I, I, I can't really articulate exactly the feeling. I don't want to leave. I mean, that's part of it. Sure. I, I don't sure. want to. I don't want to separate you, know, leave and cleave from um, right, from course. our our community, and and yeah, I I do like having the opportunity to offer advice um, or or a, a little guidance when the other cohorts ask. Mm-hmm. I mean, even mm-hmm. tonight, I don't know if you were on the Slack channel, but you know, there's a whole conversation about you know who wears tzitzit, um, why do you wear them? Have you considered it? But you have, and why? And I love those conversations. Um, and it's just, you know, the opportunity to engage with our students, even though I'm, I'm not actively learning with PRS right now. Um, it's just amazing. And I'm so thankful for it. Um, it's a great group. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. You know what? It's, it's a, you know, the, the fact that, that you're all still speaking with everyone else is, yeah. is real. I mean, what, a, that you're all still speaking. I mean, your, your cohort <laughs> stays in communication with each other, much like all the other ones are. And I think that the bonds that you've made together uh, wasn't anything that we did. We just threw you all into the virtual room together. And, you know, like, you know, we didn't even pass drinks yeah. out. You know, it was more like get to know each other. And, and the fact that the classes, you know, every class you took together. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't as if, you know, some people were in it and some people were not you know, or doing something else. You all had courses together, which I think built the community for yourself. Yeah. Um, so was there anything challenging that you found along your way of, of studying? Yeah, let me think about that. Um, So, you know, gosh, um, that's hard to answer, I didn't think this was going to be the hard question. Yeah, I didn't think this was going to be the hard question. Yeah, it's, um, I think pre-pandemic, I would have said learning in a strictly online environment Mm -hmm. would have been a challenge, but 
honestly, it, it wasn't. Um, I, I really felt in community with our cohort. Um, and when I finally got to see everybody face to face in December, it, it wasn't like I was meeting them for the first time. I mean, it was the first right. time I got to hug each one of them, but right. like in my like soul, I, I know them. And, uh-huh. um, you know, so I, it's hard for me to name a challenge. Um, you know, I had, I had a few instructors that, you know, we didn't mesh as well as right. others. Right. Um, and so those interpersonal things can be challenging, but everyone's sure. professional and adults. Um, so I can't even say that was incredibly challenging either. Um, so yeah, that's hard to answer, Rabbi. <laughs> okay. okay um, and I'm not. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I I can't say I'm not trying to suck up either. I no, you, no, I'm already ordained. There's no need. It's a, you're a little late for that if you're if you're <laughs> right. using it as a suck up tool. Like yeah, you know, um, uh, I'm already. I've okay, already. But, I'm finished. <laughs> right. You, so. you you've earned it. You've you've made it through. But so was there a a, a topic that you found um, harder to to digest than others? Um, How about I take it that approach or something like that? Sure. I, you know, you... I, yeah. Oh, sure. Sorry. I interrupted yeah. you. No, no, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I, um, you know, because of my own confidence around, mm-hmm. um, modern Hebrew, I, even though I've, you know, I've, I've actually studied it in Ulpan, I've, I've studied Hebrew my pretty much my entire adult life. Uh-huh. And, um, our instructor Hadassah was so supportive and wonderful. Um, speaking in front of the class, like, you know, for however many hours a week mm-hmm. was challenging for me. Um, uh-huh. and I, it's a challenge for me. And I, it was something also about the online platform that I think complicated that and made it more challenging. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, cause in Ulpan and in Shul with my Israeli friends, I'm, I'm not afraid to speak Hebrew right. with them. So I don't know. It was something about being separate and interrupting each other sometimes. And uh-huh. um, there, there was definitely a challenge there. Um, right. And I, if I had to name like one if, challenge, I guess I'd name that. Right. If you were pressed, that's what you would name. Good. If, you, okay. if you're going to so, twist my but, arm. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I can't because it's virtual. So uh, just <laughs> like you say, right. Uh, no, you know, it's what's interesting is that uh, the etiquette of online learning is is so different than in-person learning, although interrupting and talking over people is like a rite of passage in learning, right? <laughs> like, you, know, you, you know, take a Socratic seminar, right? And like go with that, <laughs> like you know, people are mm-hmm. yelling at each other. So you know, it's not that far off. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I look at it as like one step away from the Beit Midrash, you know, like with sure. the, the rabbis yelling at each other over the Talmud. Um <laughs> You know, so yeah. there's that there's there's that piece as well. Uh, so why don't you? I'm just thinking about the 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 Sinai pastoral care piece that you're launching. You want to tell us a little bit about that? What that what that Absolutely. actually? How you got to that idea through the innovation program? Sure. I I started um, PRS at PRS with a different innovation idea, um, and about halfway through, didn't feel like I was quite ready to launch that and didn't mm-hmm. want to, didn't want to go forward in a, as I put it, kind of a half-assed way. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure, sure. And um, no one does, by the way. Know, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad for that. I, you know, I, I, so I wanted to shelve my initial idea um, so I can come back to it later with fresh eyes. 
Um, and I came to um, Sinai Pastoral Care because working in chaplaincy and working you know, as a lay leader in my shul, I see how underserved our community, not just the Jewish community, but um, really the, our entire community um, is underserved when it comes to spiritual support and pastoral care. Um, in this time of COVID and um, the necessity for um, online interaction, we've seen such an explosion, explosion of online therapy and online meetings and online support. Um, so you know, I, I, I was thinking of a way that I could marry my, um, my training as a rabbi and a chaplain um, with the needs I saw in, our, in my immediate community and in my online community. And so I, I have been working on this pr- um, program called Sinai Pastoral Care, which um, off, will offer offers um, one-on-one, or it could be a group, um, pastoral care and support, counseling, um, spiritual um, direction, even funeral services um, on demand. So either over the computer or if someone's local in Georgia, um, which is where I live, um, they can pay on an hourly or um, you know, per event basis for me to provide care for them. Um, eventually, I think it would be um, neat and something that Rabbi Patrick and I have talked about a lot, um, you know, working with institutions like nursing homes or smaller hospitals and clinics to be sort of a contract chaplain for them, for ones who don't want to have full-time chaplains on staff. Um, but but that's the crux of, of my project is bringing pastoral care in an accessible way to people who are, are not being served. Either they're not religious, they're homebound, they're anxious about being around, you know, clergy in the traditional way. Um, maybe they've been through religious trauma, um, mm-hmm. but still need that spiritual support that we all need. Um, you know, and I, um, I really played around with the idea. You know, I wanted to make it something that was, um, didn't sound Christian, um, but also didn't sound super Jewish either because I, I, I do serve non-Jewish um, uh-huh. community members. Um, came up with Sinai Pastoral Care. Um, I think it works for now. <laughs> to, uh, we'll see uh-huh. as, as I continue with the launch. Um, but I'm really excited. And um, I've, I've been talking with some, some members of my chaplain community about you know, them contracting with me and also being care providers. So, sure, um, sure. yeah, I'm really looking forward to the launch. That's right. Yeah. Me too. Me too. So, <laughs> right. You. So the, so the, the name, I actually was going to ask you about the name, uh, of, of why actually Sinai, uh, yeah, um, because I know this, like, I'll tell you this. I know that when we were looking for the name of the seminary, like I still, I still have the list of of all the names, because then we went to the names, we went to acronyms, we went to like what are the initials spell out? Like what else could it oh, mean? Oh, yeah, you, know? you have to do all that. Yeah, of, all sorts <laughs> of whatever, you know. So I, you know, I and you know, and it has to be something that rolls off the tongue well, right? It has to be something that people will remember. So mm-hmm. it took us, it took me a while to say, oh, this one, <laughs> you know. Um, it's almost yeah. like when you're naming your kids. You yes, know, and you, yes. And, 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 and you say you go to the front door and you open the door, and if you scream the full name five times, 
you know, to call them back in and it sounds right, then it's okay. You know, like that's what, right. it, what it felt like. Right. So yeah. And why, as a Southerner, what, you know, I have to look at the monogram and make sure it looks right. Okay. Uh, exactly. Right. right. And I understand, you know, I understand the, the need to not be too Jewish, but also not be too neutral, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of that. And so the, but why, why Sinai? Yeah. Um, so, um, I, my favorite holiday is Shavuot because as a convert, I, um, I really like the, um, the, the legend, the story of the holiday where every Jewish soul was present at Mount Sinai when we Mm -hmm. received the Mm -hmm. law. And so the imagery of Sinai, the, um, you know, the myth around, you know, this biblical mythology and imagery of every Jewish soul being present together at Sinai Mm -hmm. um, is very powerful to me. And it just felt right to include it um, in my pastoral care model. Um, Great. Yeah. And that's, that's how I came to it. Um, I wanted to honor that part of my personal story and, you know, something that means a lot to me. So, how many years ago did you convert? I converted in two, early 2005. Um, okay, so in 2004, t- right? Mm-hmm. In 2004, did you ever think that in 2022, this is what you'd be doing? Gosh, no. At that point, I was planning to go to law school. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, uh-huh. I So no, I did not. Um, I, I was planning on going to law school at that point and... Um, and, and going forward in that line of work and, uh-huh. um, around tw- 2005, like, um, late two that later 2005, um, I, I had sort of shifted and, and was looking at Jewish communal service, um, degrees, mm-hmm. um, and ended up with a degree in nonprofit management, um, from Virginia tech. Mm-hmm. And that's what brought me to, you know, the, the nonprofit Jewish world. So no, sure. the answer is no. I, no, I had thought right. about seminary a few times in my twenties and, um, some more traditional Orthodox members of my family, um, were really discouraging and uh-huh. I, I went with that. So, um, I'm glad I've listened to my heart so far. Yeah, <laughs> that, me too. Me too. You know, you're, you're an acting chaplain now you're starting the Sinai pastoral care, uh, website and and um, where do you see yourself going in the future? Um, great question. Um, so ultimately, I would like to remain in the chaplain world. Um, I really love the work, um, and I'm working on my national board certification to become a board certified chaplain. Mm-hmm. Um, to really exist in the world of hospital chaplaincy, um, you need to be board certified. And so I'm working on that process and it's, it's not easy. (laughs) Just like seminary is not easy. Um, becoming board certified is not easy. I just completed, or I will complete in about a month, my fourth unit of CPE, which is, um, what's required for, um, board certification and, Mm -hmm. um, wrapping up some other stuff. So I'm hoping by next summer I'll be board certified. Um, yeah. And I, and I, and, and using Sinai pastoral care as, you know, a support for, you know, a different way I can provide pastoral care. Um, 
I've never envisioned it as being a replacement for a full-time job. Um, I really like being in the community as a chaplain. Um, you know, I, I love being a chaplain. I, I, I will share that, um, it, you know, just with any of our listeners who may consider chaplaincy or um, are working um, on CPE, um, you know, there's, there's kind of a spiritual conundrum for me working in chaplaincy because um, as a chaplain, you're by definition or should be by definition an interfaith provider. Sure. And, you know, sort of the default, at least in the state I live in, I live in Georgia, the default for that is often Protestant, you know, white, conservative and Protestant. And um, that leaves me, I'm the, I'm the only Jewish chaplain in my entire eight hospital hospital wow. system. Wow. It's spiritually isolating sure. um, for me. Um, and that's not, I want to continue the work, but I do think I need something like Sinai pastoral care or, um, you know, part-time or contracts, you know, PRN, um, work in the Jewish world to serve my spirit in that way. Um, because uh, yeah. I've, I have worked in the Jewish communal field for almost 20 years, um, for 19 years. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. it's important to, to fill my spirit too. Um, yes. so, so yeah, it's my, my goal. I, I'm, I'm, mostly trained in palliative care and hospice chaplaincy and a little mm -hmm. bit of behavioral health. And I'd like to stay in that world. I, I yeah. find a lot of meaning there. Yeah. That's good. So, so you just brought something up that you're the only Jewish chaplain in this hospital system of eight hospitals, you said. Mm -hmm. um, so what is that? You know, it's, it, it's hard for me to, to figure what that feels like living in New York where there's, <laughs> you know, more Jews than in Israel. Uh, so, right. you know, like, yeah. so what is, like, what does that, what does that mean for you in terms of, of how you work and, and, and how mm -hmm. that, you know, what does that do for you personally? Or, or, you know, do you have to explain yourself when you see people in the hospital, like that you're going to. Sure. Sure. To, you know? Yeah. It's, um, so, you know, I, I had a conversation with Rabbi Freda, um, who's, you know, uh -huh. teaches pastoral care, at least for our cohort and, yes. um, about okay. these issues, uh, personally mm -hmm. for me, um, she's a chaplain and, um, kind of your reaction. She's like, I hear you. And this has never happened to me. She's like in yeah, New I York, you know, she's like, there's so many Jewish chaplains. I have so much support. Uh -huh. Um, but, but yeah, there are very few here in Georgia and, um, how it functions in my job is that um, almost none of my patients know any of the chaplain's religions. Um, we typically don't disclose that um, because we're trained as interfaith care providers. Um, sometimes patients will um, articulate that they want a specific type of chaplain, um, mm -hmm. you know, a Catholic priest or um, occasionally a Jewish chaplain, although Honestly, Jews don't really want to see chaplains usually because they right. assume they're all sure. they assume they're all Protestant or if they see one that they're dying. Yeah, sure. um, so um, so yeah, um, mostly it's not disclosed. Um, also, I'm I'm also hesitant to disclose. Um, not that I'm ashamed of being Jewish, but when I was an intern chaplain, um, a patient found out I was Jewish and um, became physically violent with me. Um, and so, wow. yeah. Um, and so 
there, there's like a, there's a feel for me, a feeling of, of risk there. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I've been working with my chaplain resident group about ways we can be more inclusive in our hospital um, uh-huh. to all of the faiths of our chaplains and for the patients and families we serve. And I think that that's been fruitful work. Um, mm-hmm. I work in a hospital that's very diverse. We have one of the highest refugee populations in the entire country in the surrounding zip codes. Um, and so that's been really um, meaningful to me to um, just speak about the diversity on our staff and on our patient um, census. Um, but, but yeah, I, I don't get a lot of you know, uh, religious connection with patients and staff, a lot of spiritual connection, you know, cause there's, there's definitely a difference um, between the two. Um, and that's okay. Um, I have other places in my life to, to live that and to have that, but there are times that it can be very isolating, um, even among other, with other chaplains. So, um, yeah, I, my recommendation, uh, to any of our students who consider chaplaincy is to make sure you have a good mentor. Rabbi Fred is great. (laughs) And, um, and also, um, just, she's amazing. And to also just make sure you have a strong community support, you know, either at shul or Jewish friends, um, just a way to live your Judaism outside of work too. Mm -hmm. Yes, because you have to. Yes, 100%. Because we have to. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, Okay, so uh, I have a couple of rapid-fire questions for you that we uh, did not discuss beforehand, and I just want to get your take on it. What do you say? All right. Ready? Nervous? I guess uh, a little. (laughs) Don't be. be. Ready? Here we go. Uh, Ready? Ketchup or mustard? Uh, Usually ketchup. Mm, okay, spicy or sweet? Oh, spicy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? No. Good. Why? Um, I think pizza is savory, not sweet. Yes, and, and disgusting with pineapple, right? Yes. And yes. The, la- the last, the last one, which is the most controversial question I have for you, is: is Oof. a hot dog a sandwich? Oh goodness. Um. <sighs> It's wrapped in bread, so. I, mm, uh, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a rabbi. I'm not gonna you know I'm gonna give two opinions on this and and say, it could be classified as a sandwich, but you fulfill the mitzvah of, um, you know, having a meal, even if you just consume that. <laughs> so there you go, there you go. That's good. That's good. That's a good one. I like that answer. I thought you were going to go with, well, there's bread and hot dogs aren't really meat anyway, are they? But I didn't go with that. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Th- uh, so those weren't too difficult, right? Um, no, not too bad. So so that's good. So we're going to be wrapping up in a minute. Uh, is there? Um, any last words that you would want to say to those people listening? Because some of some people listening could be future students of ours, and and some could be current students or past students, or or anyone who might know anyone. Uh, you know, we have people who stumble across our podcast all the time, which is sort of fun. Uh, any last words of advice about uh, moving forward to you know be part of PRS and and to yeah. take that plunge? 
Yeah, I, um, you and Rabbi Patrick on some of the previous episodes have talked a few times about, um, you know, the reception of PRS as a new seminary and a pluralistic seminary in the Jewish community and how there was, a, you know, expectation of a lot of pushback, but in reality, we didn't get very much. And um, in my experience, that was really true. Um, I really only had pushback from one organization um, and won't share it here. Um, but, uh, you know, otherwise, I have found a lot of support in my rabbi colleagues, in my like, Jewish communal service colleagues and friends and family. Um, and so I encourage you, future students, community members, um, Beit Midrash, you know, uh, people who are um, interested in learning with PRS, I, I encourage you to to give it a try. Um, it's serious learning for for really cool people um, that you might not get to meet otherwise. And so I say, yeah. take a chance on us. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, and where else, honestly, where else could you learn with a Hasidic rabbi? Um, and also, you know, a really cool spiritual director who makes role-playing tabletop games um, out of Chicago. I mean, honestly, like I, I have met and learned with such a diverse crowd of people through PRS. I love that. I feel like such a more grounded and and knowledgeable Jew. And I don't know that I would have gotten that anywhere else. And I'm so thankful. Well, we are thankful to have you as, (laughs) as part of our program and as one of our, uh, first ordained rabbis. Uh, it was definitely a ex- very exciting moment in that uh, in that uh, ordination that we had, um, yes. and I, I'm very grateful to have you and the rest of your cohort with us, and and happy that you just didn't go away, that you're all still <laughs> around, which is Me amazing. Too. Um, and uh, if you, if anyone uh, who is listening to our podcast would like to get in touch with uh, Rabbi Amanda, you can reach her at rabbiamandaflax at gmail.com or, or find her at uh, sinaipastoralcare.com. And I'm sure she'll be more than happy to answer any questions you have about pastoral care or about her program. Uh, you might even get her talking a little bit about us. You never know. That's so, true. Um, uh, yes. And so, I yeah. am. I'm happy to answer any questions about the like CPE process, clinical pastoral education, um, really anything. I'm, I'm, I'm open to anybody reaching out. So feel free. And thanks for having me. Well, it was great having you here. Uh, so for those of you listening, we are, uh, going to be wrapping up again. If you'd like to uh, find us online. We're at jewishpluralism.org. Make sure to subscribe to any of our podcasts that we have and to listen to any of the uh, past episodes. Uh, and uh, Rabbi Amanda Flax, thank you f- so much for being with us today. And uh, I look forward to great things for you. All right. Thanks. And everyone, we will see you next time.